0: Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. this is part two, yes, episode 391, coming to you on Wednesday, April the 5th. Before we get into the data of the day, let us just know we're going to be talking about Judas's betrayal, right? Selling yourself out, and uh, how does that happen? Before we get to the content, let me remind you: you can like, subscribe, share, comment on this show. Help me out, get it out there. We got to get past the algorithms. We've got to get our message out there. You can help me, help you by getting the word out. Right? We continue to fight the good fight, and uh, I got to be honest: it's tough. It's a tough road to hoe. Some uh, will do better than others, right? And if you're feeling particularly motivated, you can go comment and or rate the show. Uh, for the foreseeable future, I am still stuck on Podbean. <laughs> I, I just uh, I, I haven't found the option that I thought I had. So in any case, look, we're doing what we can to get the word out, to build the audience, to make a difference, to stand for what is right. Sometimes that means... You got to take it the hard way. So here we go. On with the show. So uh, part one, yesterday's uh, episode, we talked about selling your soul, right? So I'm, I'm a f- fan of uh, a band called Petra. Uh, I took the little clip at the beginning of my entry from one of their songs and really... I've had a lot of good success in listening to their music. It's very uh, strongly biblically based, and I haven't found anything concerning with any of the major players as far as what they've done and what they've been involved with. So uh, I feel quite confident that listening to them is uh, with a clean conscience. I, I know that for a time when I was a young man, um, uh, Churches spent far more time worrying about the quote-unquote Christian music we were listening to rather than training us up. And maybe that was what they thought they were doing. I don't know. But one of the seminal songs from the early 80s was Judas Kiss. Now, I think I've actually done an episode on this song in particular. But one of the questions is, I wonder how it made him feel, meaning Jesus, right? And it gives a list of things that happened, and I'm gonna spare you my attempt at singing, but the refrain is it must have felt like Judas's kiss, right? He sealed the betrayal with a kiss. Now one of the things that you know I've pondered over the years off and on is how did Judas one of the twelve, one one of the earliest converts, if you will, allow himself to be led astray. I mean, you could understand why Adam and Eve kind of got tricked, right? I mean, they they uh, they had a certain naivete, right? They didn't realize they were being lied to. They should have known better. And, you know, for time immemorial, uh, we've pointed fingers at each other for what caused man's fall. But we're dealing with a guy here that follows Jesus Christ for roughly three years. He's around him when all these things happen. He sees the miracles. He witnessed the actions that take place. He's present, as far as we can tell, for all the major teachings. He knows exactly who this man is and what he can do. Now, one of the things that I, you know, history major, I've done a little looking into this from time to time. From what I understand, the uh, Judas was a bit of an extremist. Hmm. He, he was one that thought that the king was going to free them from Roman bondage. He thought that they were going to be freed. He was expecting a temporal king that was going to retake David's throne and bring the temporal, the physical freedom to the Hebrew nation. Bit of a zealot, if you will, right? Refers to Simon being a zealot. And Judas was, you know, along those lines too, from what I've from what I've been able to pick up on. I haven't I haven't spent an amount of time in this that I can justify saying for absolute certainty this is who he was and this is what it was. It's just pondering, right? <clears throat> so you can maybe imagine with me, you've been following this guy for three years. You've been listening to what he's saying, but your heart's not really into it. And and you let that out with some of your actions, some of your behavior, some of your commentary, because you're becoming disenchanted, disappointed, disillusioned with this Savior, right? The guy that you've been following, he's promising God's kingdom, and yet you're not seeing it. You're not understanding it. You're missing it. One could surmise that maybe he is the one that felt betrayed and he thought that he would get even. Some could surmise, well, you know, maybe he was just deceived as well. Maybe, but realistically, he knew better. He he can't claim the naivete of Adam and Eve. He'd been around. He was an adult. He saw how things played out, but he was perhaps wishing for something that wasn't going to be. And and that put him in a position to where he decided to act out in spite, anger, jealousy, whatever. And he, he allowed himself to think that he knew better. we got to consider, did he think that this is going to make a difference, that this was the right thing to do, or was he just acting out in anger? Now, it doesn't ultimately matter, right? But I, for one, am curious. What was his motivation? And how did he get from being a loyal disciple to being the traitor? How did he allow himself to sell himself out for 30 pieces of silver? Now I'm going to, Assume that 30 pieces of silver was not insubstantial amount of money. I'm going to also further assume that he probably had access to some of the money from all the travels. And at this point in the time, in time, he probably, I'm going to speculate here, but he probably had a little something on the side for himself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if we've already gotten to the point where he's willing to betray the guy into his death, probably not above Sticking a little side, you know, a little mm, squirreling away for a rainy day, if you will. We don't know this. The scripture doesn't speak to it. I'm purely in the realm of speculation here. And then, just in case you forgot, this show, as I, every other show I do, is purely based on what I think, because it's according to me, which is why it's named as such. I try and stick to facts, I try and stick to things that are mm, known. And apply them in the principle to a local occurrence or something going on in the world around us. But I'm I'm taking a little aside here to speculate on this. And there's a reason for it. So that would be in a, you know, kind of an abrupt change, right? But what if, what if there's more going on there? What if it took time and really... From, say, six months in, he figured out, this isn't the guy I thought it was, but I might as well go for long for the ride to see where it goes. Hmm? So there's another song uh, put out by uh, Casting Crowns. It was called Slow Fade. And it talks about how Guy's marriage dissolves because he allows himself to get corrupted, to be taken away from his true love. Hmm? The idea being is it doesn't just happen right away. It's over time. So in the, in the world that we live in, if you refer to the previous episode, I talked about the idea where we're always compromising. We're, we're given a little to think we're getting the greater good, but then inevitably we lose enough that we're having to defend the very things that we opposed. So what if perhaps that's what went on here? That he'd finally gotten to the point that he had been so disillusioned, so disenchanted, so despaired that he had invested three years of his life that he thought he would fix it. That he was going to take matters into his own hand. That he was going to force his hand. But what if, just again, pure speculation here, what if he thought... that Jesus wasn't actually going to die? What if he thought that Jesus would be forced to reveal himself and to act and to take action? And that he thought that he was causing or forcing God's hand by doing this? What if he missed the whole point that the guy was coming here to willingly sacrifice himself? What if he thought that he was going to cause an event to occur That was going to be what he wanted. We don't know this again, pure speculation, but again, I'm just trying to think about what would be the motivations of essentially selling out this guy that you'd been supporting and working with for three years. What if he thought he was going to push them into a position where he was going to have to take power? He was going to have to assume the authority that was already within him. I mean, that's plausible, right? But we don't know. It's not spoken of in the scriptures. It just talks about how he hung himself on a tree and then apparently the tree gave out and he splattered himself on the ground. I don't know. But it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So where's where's the modern application here? Right? One of the constant refrains that we have is... People that we put in positions to represent us, to work for us, to support us, we, we buy in on them. We, we think they're the people that are going to go and do the good work. And when they don't do what we want them to do, when they don't do the things that we assume they ought to be doing, we get upset. We push. We, we, we make noise. We let them know we're disenchanted. We feel that they're discrediting our band our brand, excuse me. We feel like they've disengaged with what we told them. So the question is at this point, have they betrayed us already? Or are we betraying them by telling them we want you out of here, you're terrible. Well, in this instance, That would be misplaced belief in them. That would be misplaced trust in them. And clearly, when they tell you one thing and do another, they're the ones that have deceived us. They're the ones that have stepped out. But let's, let's take a, another step back from that scenario. Did it start that way? Did they go in right, right away knowing that they had no intention of ever doing that and they were just grifters, Right. I don't think anybody's ever accused Judas of being a grifter that he was along for the ride to get some money, but he became what he was. So what if, what if it's the slow fade in place here, right? These people, they go, they say they're going to do what they, what they, we want from them. They say they're going to represent us. Well, they go down there intending to do that. But after a term or two, they got a little taste of that power, a little authority, they get to go right dinner parties they get to have that nice drink or fine cigar or whatever their taste is right they get a, they get a taste of the good life the high life and they decide no, i really like this this is so much better than dealing with those people back in my district what if what if they decided that um, i can give them just enough to keep this job and I can keep doing what I want to do. And I don't have to worry about the repercussions because I've got all the money. They can't run against me. They need me. For those who not familiar, that is, of course, from V for Vendetta, right? So the question is, is what did they sell us out for? What did they trade their soul for? What did they fade into? Was it as simple as a $23,000 campaign contribution from an organization that wants you to do something that your entire district is opposed to by a large majority? Was it somebody making you a simple promise that they won't oppose you when you want to do something and they'll help you get this bill across the house floor? Is it as simple as you scratch my back and I'll scratch your back? Really? That's what you sell out your principles for that. That's all you want, but it's possible, right? It's that fade, right? I I did this little gray thing. Now I'm doing this slightly more gray thing. Now I'm doing this slightly more gray thing. And now I'm just in the black muck. And I didn't even know it. I didn't see it happen to myself, but here I am. So then the opportunity is, can you redeem yourself? And do you want to redeem yourself? So you know, at this time, Judas realizes what he's done. He goes to give the money back to the Sanhedrin. Right? He 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 sees the high priest and says, I, I, "I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have done this. Take this money back. I don't want it." And they kind of laugh at him. Well, you've got your silver, buddy. You got what you wanted. Your king is dead. And at that point, he realizes. That the outcome that he wanted, right? Again, speculation. The outcome that he wanted didn't come about. Perhaps the outcome that he didn't want is there. And he's, at this point, realized he made a mistake that he can't undo. And he goes and takes his own life. Out of the despair of the situation. But let me ask you, is it possible that much like Peter, he could have repented? Is it possible that he could have been redeemed had he not taken his own life? That's a fair question. I don't have an object lesson here because I really don't know. But, I mean, we all betray somebody somewhere along the line, right? I mean, that we're all fallen. We all sin. We all do bad things, some of that might be a betrayal. Don't know. I mean, breaking somebody's confidence is kind of a betrayal, right? Saying you're going to do something and you don't do it. That's kind of a betrayal. I mean, on the scale of things, it's not turning somebody over to be executed, but it's maybe a step removed or a couple steps removed, right? Following that slow fade progression. Isn't it not possible that that could happen? Is it not possible that our own behaviors could put us in a similar situation if the circumstances were the same? You know, one of the constant refrains that I hear is, well, if we would just get term limits, it would fix it. But the question is, would it really? I mean, if you're an elected official who is open to being tempted and you know you've only got four years or eight years to get yours, Is now your incentive to do it as quickly as you can? I would kind of say it is. Now, granted, then you'd be exposing yourself and opening yourself up to a primary. But again, like at least one other elected representative has said, you can run against me, but I've got all the money. Good luck. I mean, to be so blatant and forward about that, shows the disdain they have for the very people that trusted them and depend on them to do the right thing. So again, how did we get there? Why the betrayal? (sighs) You know, evil lurks in the hearts of men, right? We know this the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it is kind of a rhetorical question. So the the real question is, how do we keep the people that are good, good? How do we ensure the people that say they represent us, say they work for us and are on our team, stay there? We have to work together for the common good of our team, our people, right? And honestly, the Republican party the party I belong to may be majority Christian conservatives. I think that's a safe bet, but we got a whole lot of people that don't subscribe to either of those monikers. And I can assume that the moderates are not thrilled that they're outnumbered. I can also assume that those that are not Christians are not extremely happy with the fact that we promote our Christianity as much as we do at times. And I'm not saying that either is bad. I'm just saying that perhaps we ought to recognize that we can't do it alone, that we're not alone. And we want to encourage these people to work with us that don't quote unquote fit that definition. Perhaps we, were to act as a functional team and treat each other with respect and care, that would minimize some of this. But again, the primary problem is the people that we got elected are the ones that are betraying our confidence. It's usually not the guy next to you. It's usually not the lady that's down the row from you. It's usually not the common um, activist with you. But they're not above reproach either, right? We're all fallen. We all compromise on things. We all give a little to get a little. It's a question of, do you hold to your principles or do you not? I asked you to consider at the beginning of this. Could you imagine being Judas and being in his position, have his expectations and then spend your time with three years with a guy that you're expecting one thing to happen and it's not happening. And what might you think or do or say if that's where you're coming from, right? Is it plausible that you might have had those same thoughts? I mean, his most devoted disciple essentially denied him or betrayed him, if you will, three times in the very night that he's being crucified. Yet he was forgiven Thomas who spent again three years roughly with him said Nah, i don't I don't believe he's back I, you know I, guys wishful thinking maybe he's seen a ghost whatever I, I just I don't buy it now mind you Thomas saw Lazarus raised from the grave he saw the or heard of the young girl that was raised he heard about the Roman um, centurion whose child was raised so he knows this could happen he knows that it's plausible it's possible because he's been following this guy so if somebody comes and tells him hey you know uh, jesus is raised from the dead again by himself he's self-resurrected i mean i can understand being doubtful but after three years you would think that would remove some of that doubt but hey jesus tells him hey come here man put your hand in the wound feel my hands. You, you'll feel better once you see. Again, one of the the refrains from music is uh, somebody uh, said, believe in, you will see, right? Because the idea is I can't believe unless I'll see, but they said, if you'll believe, you will see. So there's a certain aspect of faith in this, right? So perhaps that was really the downfall here is Judas had mispraced, missed faith. So what I'm going to suggest to you is we've misplaced our faith in these individuals that we sent to do the work. And rather than we abandoning them or betraying them, they're the ones that have abandoned us. And we misplaced that faith, legitimately misplaced it, whereas Judas merely thought he misplaced it. Something to consider I know the uh, the Catholic and the Orthodox Church see this as Holy Week, and I know there are some other, um, I forgot what the proper term is, but high church organizations that see it the same way. You know, coming from an independent church, a non-denominational, a.k.a. Baptist church, yeah, we're not real big on that calendar stuff, and for better or for worse, but I thought this would be appropriate on Wednesday, right? Because Good Friday is right around the corner. And in theory, Thursday night is when this goes down, right? There's a trial, a mock trial, mind you. <laughs> there's not a legitimate trial. There's there's no justice at play here. They find a way. They force his hand in front of Pilot. And then he says, just go deal with him. It only took 12 to change the world, right? They replaced Judas. There's no reason to expect that 12 people can't change McKinney. Three people can't change McKinney or Collin County for that matter. 12 for all of Texas. It can be done. It should be done. But we got to be really careful who we're pulling in and what they're up to. We don't want to deal with another betrayal and we don't want to deal with any more sellouts. You know, I got to give credit where credit is due. The left is extremely good at guarding their flanks. They're all sold out to their goals, their movement. Not all of them, but the leaders are. They're all in. They're fully committed to getting what they want. It might mean the destruction of our country as we know it, but I don't think they care. I think that's what they want. And if we're not going to be at the very least equally committed to push back and to fight for the right things, we can't occupy. We're not doing what we were called to do. If we can't stand for a few simple things, We're the problem, notwithstanding the betrayal of the people that we elected to represent us. We're the problem. We have to hold them accountable. We have to hold each other accountable and we have to do the work. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, part two. Uh, It's a little shorter than the previous one, I believe. I wanted to give you something to think about, something to consider. I'm I'm going to uh, be skipping Friday's episode in observance of good Friday. I want you all to enjoy the long weekend. And as they would say, he is risen. He is risen indeed, but we're going to save that for the Monday after. And with that, this was According to Callous, and I will see you on the other side.